A search into Biblicist Christianity started when Jada sent me a link to an article titled, A Christian Husband's Guide to Grooming His Young Wife. What started as a quick Facebook message turned into a four-hour rabbit hole combing through the interwebs that made me want to gouge my eyeballs out. So that's what we're talking about today on the podcast. We are talking about Biblicist Christianity and their ties to the manosphere. I'm Alicia Galati. And I'm Jada Smith. And this is Two Sisters and a Cult. It's a podcast. For your earballs. Podcast for your earballs. You're wrong. So this is going to be really interesting. As I was studying this, the manosphere, which we'll talk about like definitions and stuff, but the manosphere and Biblicist Christianity have some ties together. Biblicist Christianity, generally putting it, is literally just Christians who take the Bible as the utter word of God. There's no interpretations. What it says is what it says is what it says. So kind of how we grew up. Yeah. Like, yeah. so they bring, they talk about fundamentalists, which is how we grew up. We grew up in fundamentalist groups and they take the Bible very literally be in the world, but not of it. But that means that you don't talk to strangers or people you don't know because they're probably going to try to drag you to hell with them. That kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to talk about this. All right, let us begin. Fundamentalists and evangelicals sometimes refer to themselves as literalists or biblical literalists, which is biblicist Christianity. Sociologists also use the term to reference to conservative Christian beliefs, which include not just literalism, but also biblical inerrancy, meaning that the Bible is not, there's nothing wrong with the Bible. Um, Even the fact that it's been retranslated a bajillion times and written in languages that no one really speaks anymore. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, Mm-hmm. There is no error in the Bible because it is the word of God. I remember this. I'm familiar. Yes. <laughs> the term biblical literalism is often used as a, like to describe or ridicule the interpretive approaches of fundamentalists or evangelical Christians. But it's true. <laughs> like oh, so they don't call themselves that? No, they call themselves biblicists or fundamentalists. Or evangelicals. Ah. But when like other people call them literalists, they're like, I take offense to that. It's like the um <laughs> so I'm in Facebook groups in my local community, right? Mm-hmm. Women, women Facebook groups. Don't ever go into women Facebook groups. The cattiness is like middle school level. I can't even handle it. But I'm there for the drama. Oh, well, fair. And if I ever need someone to watch my dog, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So someone was saying, they were talking about Halloween and how Halloween is probably going to be canceled. And 
how dare they cancel Halloween? And someone commented, they're like, we're in the middle of a crisis here. Like people are dying. Mm-hmm. Thousands of Americans are dead. This is a crisis. I think, you know, having Halloween at your own house or shifting it a little bit isn't really a lot to ask. And so the person who wrote the post came back and commented, I take offense to the word crisis. Let's use the word pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish they were joking. They're not. That's the thing. Like, and I, of course I'm like, I got to pop some popcorn. I got to see what happens. So then the other person comes back and they're like, so 200,000 Americans dying is not a crisis. What? (laughs) It's just a pandemic. Ah, it was good. It was terrible because my county is fucked, (laughs) but it was also very interesting. (laughs) I was there for the conversation with my popcorn, but yeah, same thing. We don't call it a crisis. It's a pandemic. We're not biblicists or biblical literalists. We are traditionalists or fundamentalists. Okay. Get it straight. (sighs) So three in 10 Americans, according to a Gallup survey in 2011, three in 10 Americans interpret the Bible literally saying that it is the actual word of God. Oh no. Yeah. Three in 10 Americans. Oh no. That's a lot. Oh no. They know God doesn't have hands, right? Yeah. He couldn't have written it. Yeah. 49% of Americans say that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but that it should not be taken literally. Another 17% consider the Bible an ancient book of stories recorded by man. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner and it's the lowest percent. (laughs) Disheartening. A high regard for religious scriptures in the Judeo-Christian tradition seems to relate in part to the process of canonization of the Hebrew Bible, which occurred over the course of a few centuries from approximately 200 BCE to 200 CE. Okay, so this is very much like, okay, so within a, (laughs) humans have been around for thousands and thousands of years right mm-hmm. humans i'm not talking about the world i'm talking about humans mm-hmm. so we're gonna take the writings from a 400 year span and base our lives on that in light of <laughs> i mean let's just look at common era we got 2020 years we're gonna take 400 of those years And that's what we're basing everything off of. Not to mention it's pre-industrialism, pre-technology, (laughs) pre-2020, pre-this generation. You're literally taking a tiny, it's like taking a sliver of information and then running with it. Oh, wait, that's what Christians do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, guys, I know I'm joking. I'm also not. Like, I'm I'm fed up <laughs> with organized religion, in case you couldn't tell. And Biblicist Christianity pisses me the fuck off, especially in the way that it treats 
how men are supposed to act and how women are supposed to act, which is what this entire episode is going to be based on. So, yes. I don't really... There's a lot of history here. I don't fucking care. Either way, it's terrible. People shouldn't be taking a sliver of information and then basing their entire religion off of it. It's just annoying. Extremism is a problem, and it should be treated as a problem. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about Martin Luther for a second. The Lutherans. Jada, what do you remember about Martin Luther? He wrote uh, theses and nailed them to a door. And he didn't like the idea of God's grace. So he said, that doesn't exist. Uh, wanted to take the book of James or the book of Hebrews out of the Bible because it was all about grace, whichever one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got arrested a few times. That's all I know. Yeah, I mean that basically sums it up. But like, <laughs> he was one of the one of the few people who like was like the church is doing it wrong, mm-hmm. and we need to reassess what's going on in the Bible and what we deem as the holy word of God. So American Protestant literalists and biblical inerrantists have adopted that uh, they have a different version of the Bible where there's like certain ones in there, certain ones out that they believe that it is a work, not merely inspired by God, but in fact, representing the word of God without possibility of error or contradiction. So there's still people obviously from the stats that we saw today who are like, it's the word of God, even though it was written by man, human beings. And it says that in there that it was like, Like, even in, fuck, I hate Paul so much, but (laughs) when Paul was like, this is my letter to Timothy, Mm -hmm. Paul wrote a letter to a a church member, and it's scripture. Apparently. What? What? Yep. What? (laughs) Yep. That's, That's a lot of my problem with Paul, too. Like, first of all, Let's let's not talk about the misogyny. But mm-hmm. second of all, he was a dude writing to other dudes. What? Why is that there? Why <laughs> is that there? Yes. God has nothing to do with it. He was a dude. Yeah, and a shitty one at that. <laughs> not even a good one. Seriously, <laughs> he I wasn't think- even like. No, like he was not cool. <laughs> uh, love it to hate it, and I love to hate it, and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, that's what happened. All right, now moving on. Now, the reason we're talking about Biblicist Christianity is because I came across this website that Jada sent me that's called Biblical Gender Roles. I'm going to repeat that biblical gender roles. And the article she sent me was how to groom your Christian, your young Christian wife. Mm -hmm. We've talked about cult leaders and their grooming of their, of their followers, Mm -hmm. their grooming Mm -hmm. of the children and things Mm -hmm. like that. And it's not okay. Don't fucking groom people. It's just, it's not a good word to use. And the guy who writes this blog, because it's a blog, that's what it is. It's this fucking dude's opinion. 
and he blogs about it. He also Let's has a it. Yeah, right. He also has a podcast, but you have to pay to listen to his podcast. Oh, well, I'm okay with the money wall because I don't want to listen to it anyway. I wanted to listen to it so I could like pull it apart. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't really want to give him my money. So he can make his own money elsewhere. I'm not doing it. So on that blog, he talks about biblical gender roles and the manosphere. The manosphere is a group of blogs and online literature of the rights of men in America and other Western countries. And that this idea that feminism and humanism are infringing on the rights of men. Now, as two women, we wouldn't know what that's like, having your rights infringed upon. Or <laughs> not a clue. God, that's, mm, can't imagine. Can't, these can't poor imagine. men. <laughs> these poor men. God. I'm not anti-man. I'm raising two sons. You're raising a son. We believe in cre- in raising strong, ethical men. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with being an emotional man. There's nothing wrong with a husband and a wife being the head of the household. What? Mm-hmm. Bananas. And uh, I can't... I, I can't. This whole thing is... I'm, all right, I'm going to just try to focus. But that's where the Manosphere comes in. Second Nature is a premium service solving a very unpremium problem. Regular air filter replacement. Even that sentence alone sounds a little dull, but trust us, it's a problem worth solving. Most people don't recognize they're supposed to change their filters every couple of months. And the ones that do barely have time to remember it. That's where Second Nature comes in. I recently subscribed to Second Nature when we bought our house. And I could not believe the amazing quality and options that are available for air filters for your home. I love the easy set it and forget it. I get a monthly filter because my son and I have really bad allergies. Second Nature made it so easy. And using our promo, you can get a month for free. We definitely recommend that you try it out and stick with them. We've been with them for almost two years now and we absolutely love them. You can go to sisterscult.com slash second nature. With a second nature subscription, you'll never forget your filters again. Now, the the guy who wrote this blog, and I don't even know his name. I don't give a fuck what his name is. Go look up biblicalgenderroles.com. You'll find him. And like, if he sues us, I'm just reading what you're writing, dude, and then sharing my opinion. Everything in here is my opinion about what you wrote. That's all I have to say. He believes that men in the manosphere are not misogynistic, that the only true misogynists are the incels because they hate women. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. It doesn't. It's stupid. (laughs) I mean, I understood it and it was English, but yeah, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It's not right. I agree. 
Yeah. So I found these definitions and terminologies within the Manosphere from Welcome to the Manosphere article on Mother Jones. And she was giving just a general rundown on uh, what all the terms are. So these are the Manosphere. This is what's going on right now, these terms. The Men's Rights Movement, MRM, it's a close-knit network of groups and activists who believe men are an opposed class, oppressed class, sorry. They're an oppressed class. (laughs) Father's Manifesto, it's an early MRM website that combined calls for paternal custody rights with claims that blacks should be exiled and Catholic priests are were sexually abusing children as part of a plot to spread AIDS. A voice of men founded in 2009 by truck driver, Paul Elam to quote, expose misandry on all levels. (laughs) End quote. The site now a hub of the movement is aimed as those turned off by the fringe politics of other men's rights forums Registerher.com is an offshoot of A Voice of Men. It's an offender registry um, purporting to track female murderers and rapists, as well as women who make false rape accusations. Oh, my God. National Coalition for Men. It's a nonprofit group that, quote, raises awareness about the ways sex discrimination affects men and boys. So she told you no? I'm what is I don't understand. Someone told you no, so they're you're being discriminated against because someone didn't want to have sex with you? Wow. Yeah. Its leader has filed lawsuits challenging registration for the draft and seeking to defund shelters for battered women. What the fuck? Fathers for Justice, a British paternal rights group that gained notoriety in the mid-2000s after activists, some dressed as superheroes, scaled public monuments, allegedly threatened to kidnap the prime minister's son, and defaced a portrait of the queen. Jesus. Red Pill. In the classic sci-fi film The Matrix, the hero must choose between swallowing the blue pill, which will allow him to remain a pleasant, illusory world, or a red pill, which will open his eyes to the reality in which he is enslaved. In men's rights parlance, red pillars realize that men, not women, are oppressed. <sighs> I don't want to read by, by themselves. Yeah. They're oppressed by themselves. No, they're, impre- they're oppressed by society and by women. That's, what, that's where they, their ideas are. Okay. So let's get on to this dude and his, the biblical gender rules. Because this is where biblicist Christianity, and I don't think that all traditionalists believe this. Obviously, this is an extreme version of that. But I do want to talk about it. So the first thing I want to talk about is, where is it? If I could find it. A Christian husband's guide to grooming his wife. Why does that say husband? (laughs) To grooming his husband. (laughs) Sorry. That was funnier than it needed to be. Okay. So he says what we all think Merriam-Webster's dictionary says to groom something is to clean and maintain the appearance of, to make neat or attractive, to get into readiness for a specific objective. Okay. Humanist, which I am a humanist. I 
like you don't groom other people. They see grooming, we see grooming, as one person conditioning another person to allow them or someone else to abuse them. Would you agree? Yep. I would agree. Okay. So he says that according to secularhumanism.org, a core tenet of humanism is the freeing of, quote, the individual from traditional controls by family, church, and state, increasingly empowering each of us to set the terms of his or her own life. Right? Okay. That makes sense. That is why grooming and exerting authority over someone else is seen as bad in humanism. And then he calls grooming a trigger word for humanists. I mean, if you believe in humanity at all, it should be a trigger word. But he says, from a biblical perspective, grooming, when used in the sense of a husband's conditioning his wife to be a complete, incomplete subjection to him and molding her behavior to his preference is not evil or immoral, but rather these actions are righteous, holy, and required of husbands by God. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say a lot of scriptures in this. So he takes it very literally of the Merriam Webster's definition, clean and maintain the appearance of to make someone neat and attractive and readiness for a specific object. That's disgusting. Yes. So, important prerequisites, according to this dude, to grooming your young bride is. And the thing is, he relates uh, husbands grooming their wives in a way that Christ grooms his church. Okay. Which is... I don't want grooming his church either. Nobody should be grooming anybody. <laughs> Stop grooming people. <laughs> But I feel like he's not that far off with fundamentalist Christianity and how they believe that Christians should act, how Christians should prepare for the second coming of Christ, how Christians should do things. Like it is organized fundamentalist Christianity grooming the church. Yeah. Know what I mean? I strongly believe that Christianity is kind of also inherently violent (laughs) oh like absolutely 100 percent agree yeah it's uh he he does he's like running headfirst into the point of people don't like his religion but he's just letting it punch him in the face over and over without realizing it yeah his prerequisites to groom your young bride is that you and your bride must both be believers You both need to be Biblicist Christians, not humanist Christians. According to 2 Timothy 3.16, which states that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Paul wrote that to Timothy. So just saying. And the wife needs to be young. Yeah, I like that part. Don't like it. All right, so seven steps to groom your young bride. Step one, unlearn what your culture has taught you. (laughs) That sounds like a cult. Um, (laughs) So he's saying that society has these ideas of what men, women, and children should be doing, uh, how they need to be, that the man is the head of the household, 
the woman is subjected to the whatever the will of the man is and the beliefs of the man and the children are to be trained by the woman however the man sees fit Mm -hmm. okay step two is you must learn and embrace biblical gender roles which we're going to talk about that three seek out a male spiritual mentor um, four you must teach your wife biblical gender roles so first corinthians 14 35 says and if they will learn anything talking about women let them ask their husbands at home (sighs) (laughs) i would rather somebody stab me with a pike in the vagina Step five, get your wife a female spiritual mentor. But then he says, also, the Bible doesn't just support the concept of female mentorship. It actually commands it. Titus 2. So when he says the Bible, he's, li- he's literally pulling everything that Paul or people that are in the same circle as Paul have written. He's not pulling anything from actual, like, inspired by god or written by god scripture so the age jesus like his his actual god yeah it's not even (laughs) nope so he says titus 2 3 through 5 says the aged woman likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness not false accusers not given to much wine teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands to love their children to be discreet chaste keepers at home good obedient to their own husbands and the word of god be not blasphemed Step number six, mold your wife into the glorious wife you want her to be. What if this is not build a bitch? What the <laughs> fuck? Oh my God. I hate it. Okay. You know how we talk about how the God of the Old Testament is really sadistic, but the God of the New Testament is different? Yeah. I don't think so anymore after reading through this. I think both of them are sadistic. Yeah. I also think that Paul, like the stories of Jesus, they're fantastic. Whatever. Great. Great parables. Great stories. But Paul's writings in Acts 20, 28, Paul says that Christ did not give up his life for his wife's happiness, for the church's happiness. He gave up his life to purchase his wife so that he could groom her into the wife he wanted her to be. And this is what God has called you as Christian husbands to do. So. Bitch. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Step number seven. Are you ready? No, no. Discipline your wife. (laughs) There are many ways to discipline your wife, he says. Ten years ago, I would have been against wife spanking as the concept was so foreign to me. I did not know any Christians who engaged in it. But since I started this blog back in 2014, I have had the opportunity to interact with many Christian couples who engage in wife spanking, which is commonly referred to as Christian domestic discipline. 
You mean Christian domestic abuse? Yeah. <laughs> it gets better. You know how Christians are like obsessed with the, like fundamentalist Christians are obsessed with the idea of not talking about sex, not having sex, not doing anything about sex, right? Mm-hmm. They will do everything else they can that is sexual, like spanking your wife, <laughs> to mm-hmm. not talk about having sex. <laughs> okay. So he says, I've had the opportunity to interact with some Christian husband, wife mentor teams who help teach husbands how to spank their wives. That sounds like a three-way behind closed doors, if you ask me. And also teach the wives how to accept and embrace this kind of physical discipline from their husband. Bro. (laughs) Christian BDSM class. Right? (laughs) Except it sounds like the women are being coerced. Yeah. Coercion is rape, just so we're clear, listeners. Yeah. So he says, he has an article called Does the Bible Allow a Husband to Spank His Wife? And he actually teaches on wife spanking. And he's asked uh, if he spanks his own wife. The answer is no. And the reason, quote, is because my wife comes from a moderate feminist background and she is in her mid-40s, which makes her far a far less moldable wife she would never submit to wife spanking or even a mentoring program with other with another couple again this is not to say that we as christian husbands cannot or should not engage in discipline towards our wives even if they are older and far less moldable than younger wives it just means that we have to use a different set of non-physical disciplinary tools with our wives as outlined in his article called Seven Ways to Discipline Your Wife. Somebody get him. Oh Somebody God. needs to get him. Why was this guy not a period? I, why? Do, that's why when you sent me the article, I was literally on like a rabbit hole of <sighs> craziness. Okay. Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. It's been their guiding principle since the moment they launched. Their mattresses are designed to make good sleep accessible to everyone. The Allswell features hybrid mattress technology combining the best of both worlds, memory foam, and individual coils. A winning blend for comfort and support. Love it. Their goal is to create an affordable mattress without sacrificing quality or luxury. So what's the result? The Oswell Queen mattress costs only $345. And no, that is not a joke. Their Queen mattress is only $345. By using our special link, you can get free shipping, a 10-year limited warranty, and 100 nights risk-free trial. Definitely go check it out. You can find our link in the show notes that lets Allswell know that we sent you and helps to support our show. Or you can simply go to twosisterscult.com slash savings and you'll be able to find the link on our page. We have all our favorite things on there, but definitely go check out Allswell and get yourself a queen mattress. Allswell, dreamy mattresses for real life. Let's get into the biblical gender roles 
um, let's talk men. So the ways that men, the conduct of men and the ways that they should act. And the way he says it is the 10 duties of the Christian husband. One, provide for her. <laughs> I'm sorry. He says, if your wife is the primary provider, you are breaking the model God meant for you to display. Oh, God. I have always been the primary breadwinner for my family. Always. And my my husband fucking loves it. <laughs> I retired him years ago to be a stay-at-home dad. And he loves it. And I love working. And we're perfectly happy in our gender roles. <laughs> our non-gender roles. <laughs> hmm <sighs> Two, protect her. I don't know how you're supposed to protect your wife and spank her at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, oh. there's a very good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But number Funny three, how. discipline her. You know? You're supposed to discipline her, too. He also has... I got to stop this because I can't. He also has an article um, talking about sex. And that a woman, a wife, not a woman, a wife, should give her husband sex anytime he desires it. It does not matter if she's not in the mood. It is her duty to sexually please her husband or he will turn astray. Oh, so it's not his responsibility. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's her fault. Right. Um, And then in one part, he says, if your wife is giving you uh, sex and she's not into it, don't look at her face. Just look at her body. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't. (laughs) I just can't. Okay. Number four. (laughs) Teach her. Have an active role, an intentional role in teaching your wife the word of God. Because God forbid she be able to read it on her own and come to her own conclusions. That's not for her to do. Number five, rule over her. The ruler gives the vision and sets the rules and policies in the home. Your wife needs a clear vision from you so that she can help to manage your home around that vision. For instance, some men delegate the paying of the bills to their wives, and that is okay but you cannot delegate your responsibility to give your wife principles and policies by which to pay the bills. Bro. That's where mansplaining comes in. I'm just going to throw that out there. Number six, show her grace. We as men are called to image God in the lives of our wives. Grace is unmerited favor. In marriage, it means doing kind things for your wife, not because she deserves it, but because in spite of the fact that she does not. (laughs) Oh my God. Number seven, show her mercy. Maybe you have no problem ruling over your wife, but are you not so plenteous in mercy or and are quick to anger with your wife? God calls us to picture his mercy in our wives' lives by spanking her. <laughs> right. <sighs> and treating her like a child, apparently. Yep. I can't. I can't even handle it. I, I'm starting to like wish that I knew these people personally. Yeah. So that I could bite their dicks off. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> want my mouth near their dicks at all. <laughs> I feel like the surprise element just makes it that much more pleasing. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Surprise! (laughs) 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 Oh, God. All right. Number eight, know her, which means have sex with her. I don't need to go into that. I'm already disturbed. Number nine, honor her. (sighs) Number 10, praise her. But what about everything else you just said? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say this man does not know what honor is. Yeah. Number, Number 10, praise her. And then he says, do you praise her for doing well in the marriage bed? No woman is perfect, and some are far less perfect than others. As we, and we are not talking about praising her for doing nothing, but breathing and taking up space. If she is lazy in certain areas, don't praise her for things she does not do. <laughs> but many women, at least, do some things that are praiseworthy. <laughs> so praise oh her God. for those things. All right. Conduct of a Christian woman. Are you ready for this? What lets him talk like this? The internet lets him talk like this. Oh my God. She needs to leave him. Throw the whole man away. (laughs) Start over. Throw it out. (laughs) Somebody call the disposal. (sighs) Yeah. So he says, how should Christian women conduct themselves? What should their ambitions be? How should they speak? What, are their, what is their role in their homes? Thankfully, the Bible is not silent on the topic of women's conduct. Fuck you, bro. And of course, a lot of the stuff that he gets is from Proverbs, and, which Solomon wrote Proverbs. And if you know anything about Solomon, he was a womanizer. And son of a bitch. He fucked a lot. <laughs> And had, like, tons of women. And then his other stuff is from Peter. So. I don't really like him either. (sighs) Me neither. So, the woman. Let's talk about her speech. She is not loud and boisterous. But instead, she is quiet and meek. She does not gossip. and But she is rather a trustworthy confidant. She knows when and where to speak and when to hold her tongue. And she does not speak. When she does speak, she does so in a wise and kind manner. And that is why women have been told for years and years and years and fucking years to sit back and be quiet because of the Bible. And why they feel the need to be kind when they have no need to be kind. Yep. There is no requirement at some times, for people to be uh, tolerant or um, meek, but we have been trained to do so as a society. And women who don't do that are labeled horrible things. Yep. Let's talk about her ambitions. She is ambitious to be a wife, mother, and homemaker. (laughs) 1 Timothy 5.14 says, I will therefore for that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary of speak to speak reproachfully. She has a home. She is ambitious toward the care of it and is never lazy or idle. God forbid someone have a shitty day, you know? 
When she has children, she is ambitious to be joyful in her care of them. And that is where we get this idea that being a mom is supposed to be fucking unicorns and rainbows all the goddamn time. And we're not allowed to talk about our, you know, the shitty parts of parenting because we love our children so much. Be joyful. Yeah, but the scripture that he's getting that idea from, I'm pretty sure, is not saying that he's... Like, some of the stuff he's interpreting... No, actually, all of the stuff. He's interpreting it too literally. Like, yeah. way too fucking literally. He's taking it out of context, looking at the English um, order of the words and saying, oh, it says joyful mother. That means, huh. Like, yeah. no, bitch. No. No. And, of course, you can see from what I've written, he's taking it from the King James Version, which, as from growing up traditionalists and fundamentalists, that is the only version you're allowed to read. All the other versions are heresy. Well, so if it says joyful mother, does that mean that it used to say gay? Probably. A gay mother. <laughs> A gay mother. Because, <laughs> hey. <laughs> her love. She shows compassion and empathy towards those in need around her. Sure. I mean, I'm down for that. That's fine. Second only to God, a woman's greatest love and affection is reserved for her husband and her children, and that is it. God forbid she love herself. Her sexuality, let's talk about this. She protects her virginity for marriage and does not manipulate men with her sexuality. In marriage, she ravishes her husband. Uh-huh. She ravishes her husband with her body and she never defrauds him. Where did she learn how to do that when she was not having sex and saving herself for marriage? Don't know. Don't mm. care. But it's mm. what she's supposed to do. Huh. You want somebody who's good at it but not somebody who knows what they're doing? Yep. Yummy. Her appearance. She dresses in a way that never places her femininity into doubt. She dresses appropriate for all occasions in modest <clears throat> apparel she cares for her beauty knowing that her husband desires it as god desires the beauty of his church that doesn't even make sense either you're pretty or you're not it has nothing to do with your husband <laughs> yeah her submission she has submissive spirit as opposed to a contentious spirit because Proverbs twenty one nineteen says it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. So that's where he got um, that she's supposed to be submissive, not contentious. Because Solomon's wife made him sleep on the couch. Everybody has to be submissive. Yep. <sighs> she embraces patriarchy, males' authority over women in the home, the church, and in society. The misogyny is coming from inside the house. <laughs> she de she's depend her dependence. So she looks to her father and later her husband for her provision. She embraces the fact that yeah. God has placed her in the quote, the weaker vessel and that she needs the yeah. protection of men. She looks to her yeah. father and later her husband for her spiritual guidance. Yeah. Her place. She embraces the fact that God made her uh, to be the helper for her husband, not him to be her helper. 
I just say throw him out. We don't need him. We don't need this guy. Away. <laughs> she sees her husband as her master and not her equal partner. Okay, I'm sorry. That's blasphemy. He's taking it way too far. <laughs> yeah. Her methods of persuasion. <laughs> she does not nag her husband into doing what is right. I mean, you can't nag anyone into doing anything, generally speaking. At least not with a happy attitude about it. If you have kids, you understand that. <laughs> she wins her husband by her righteous behavior toward him in spite of his failings. But the husband's not doesn't need to have righteous behavior towards her because she subject, she, she's subjected to him, not him to her, right? So that makes sense. Uh-huh. I don't even want to finish reading these. There's only three left. I can't even handle this. Okay, three left. Let's go. Her reverence for her husband. She never makes her husband ashamed, but rather she brings him honor. She reverences her husband's position, despite the flaws in his person. Her influence. She influences and teaches other women to be good wives and mothers. Her legacy. She realizes that her greatest legacy is built by what she does in her home and not what she does outside of her home. So when you want to go and give to charities and do fucking Mother Teresa type shit, nope, nope. Needless to say, we don't like this, dude. Biblicist mm-hmm. Christianity can suck my dick. <laughs> the my manosphere own. can suck my dick. I don't have a dick, but if I did, it could suck it. And that is where I'm going to leave you guys today in anger and frustration. And I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I've had four days of reading through this stuff and I am done. <laughs> Ugh. So, Just a little aside, I've been saying you can suck my shit because ooh. suck my dick sounds like it would be pleasant for at least one party involved, and that doesn't really fit. So that's, Oh, I love that so much. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <sighs> Were you in a cult? Do you have a favorite cult? Is there a cult you want us to cover? Um, you want to just tell us a crazy, funny story you had? Send us your stories and recommendations at two sisters cult at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. Our weekly podcast will always be free, but if you donate to our show, it helps to support it as well as allow us to create more amazing content for you. You can go to two sisters cult.com. Click on Patreon on the top menu. You can see that you can get some exclusive perks like a shout out on the show, access to our top secret Facebook community. And if you join at the $10 level, you'll get a two sisters and a cult sticker as well as exclusive monthly bonus full length episodes starting in January. We've got lots of sweet stuff in our merch shop. So come check it out. You can pick from decal stickers, t-shirts, um, Lots of other fun things. Click shop at the menu at twosisterscult.com. And the best way for you to help us out on the show is to like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also be sure to tell a friend or 10 who you think would like us. Definitely 10. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Sisters Cult. So come hang out with us. Give us a visit. Catch you on the flip side. And don't join that cult, please, please, please. I don't want to fight you in the final battle, and I will destroy you. (laughs) (laughs) So...